here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Mark Levin here, our number 877-381-3811, 877-381-3811. You know, I, I sit here in amazement watching the so-called news, listening to it on the radio, watching it on TV, listening to other talk show hosts, and it's, it's very, very strange to me. Now we have the National Enquirer, longtime friend, they tell us, David Pecker, gets federal immunity in the Michael Cohen case. And I'm thinking, federal immunity for what? The chairman of the company, this is CNBC, that publishes the National Enquirer was granted immunity by federal prosecutors as part of an investigation into President Donald Trump's former personal lawyer, Michael Cohen, NBC News reports, the immunity deal was earlier reported by the Wall Street Journal and Vanity Fair. Details of the agreement were not immediately known, but the journal reported earlier Thursday that American Media Inc., the chairman David Pecker, had given prosecutors details about the president's knowledge of payments Cohen made to women alleging affairs with Trump. Now, ladies and gentlemen, for the 4,000th time, The President of the United States is free to spend his money and enter into non-disclosure agreements all he wants. These were events that took place before he was a candidate. This is his own money. He can direct his private attorney to do exactly what he wishes. There's no violation. It's a contract. There's no campaign violation. Period. I know people are doing their very, very best to twist this. There is no campaign violation. But the media goes on. The immunity deal could hold significant consequences for Trump, as Pecker could have as much damaging information about the president as anyone in Trump's orbit. He and Pecker have been friends since 1990s. Okay, stop. Wait a minute. I thought the report was that Pecker had assisted in the Michael Cohen case. What is this about everything he knows about the president since the 1990s? You see how far afield we've gone, ladies and gentlemen, from the campaign and Russian interference? That's what the president means by a witch hunt. And I would tell my friends who are lawyers, some of whom have radio shows, that's what's meant by a witch hunt. No discussion whatsoever about the unconstitutional powers of a special counsel, the existence of whom... I would tell the Attorney General, Mr. Sessions, is because of politics. You put out a statement today, you said, you follow the law, you don't let politics influence the department. Surely you did, because it was a political decision when Mr. Rosenstein appointed Mr. Mueller. There was no legal basis for it, under your own rules, but he did it, and it's been political since. Pecker has reportedly used his media holdings to shield Trump when the president was a New York real estate developer and reality television star. So, wow, what do we have? 
We have a criminal investigation into every aspect of the president of the United States. Has anybody ever seen this before against any president? Against any president? And this is now how you're going to bring down a president of the United States? The special counsel hands off an investigation to his colleagues in the U.S. Attorney's Office in Manhattan. And so they double team him. Now, none of this is going anywhere legally against the president, as I've said a thousand times. Not only can he not be indicted, let's see if they try to subpoena him. But this will be another chapter in the impeachment report that Mr. Mueller will prepare. That's what it is. And they're going to claim that the president of the United States, knowingly, with intent, on repeated occasions, violated federal campaign laws. But he hasn't. But it won't matter. Mr. Mueller and the lawyers in the Southern District of New York, they're not judges. They're not juries. They're not Supreme Court justices. They will make their allegations. What's happened here is really quite fascinating in a sickening way. Because you cannot indict, listen to me on this, you'll hear it tomorrow, I'm sure, because you cannot indict a sitting president, which now everybody finally agrees, then they're going to use it to their advantage. They don't have to test their arguments in a court of law. They don't have to test the facts in a court of law. They don't have to test their interpretation of the law in a jury trial in a court of law. So now they can make allegations use their offices, their prosecutorial tools to build up what they would consider allegations, 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 and not resolve them as a legal matter. Resolve them as a political matter in the House of Representatives. You see my point, Mr. Producer? This is evil. And you have these nundiks on TV, nundiks even in my business, going on and on. Well, Trump, you know, he's not exactly moral. And then Trump, you know, he's not exactly a truth teller. They're missing the entire big picture when it comes to the republic. The entire picture. This isn't about whether Trump is moral. If that's the case, we ought to start up the Salem witch trials and drag out all the people in Congress and the media and all the rest. That's not, this has nothing to do with that. This has everything to do with the rule of law and how it's being bastardized. So let me underscore my point again, because there's a lot of static out there. Because Mr. Mueller has finally conceded that you cannot indict a sitting president. Because the U.S. Attorney's Office in the Southern District of New York knows the same thing. They know. They know that their legal theories, that their present, uh, presentation of the facts will not be tested in a court of law with a judge. They won't be tested. Cohen made a plea deal. This guy Pecker made a plea deal. So they won't be tested, these so-called campaign violations. And they are not campaign violations. I've had the chairman, the former chairman of the Federal Election Commission on this program yesterday, in April. We went through the scenarios he was the one who helped write the regulation. He says, no, I say no. Just as I said, a sitting president can't be indicted based on the, re- the memos that were prepared by the Department of Justice. Why, well, you're an outlier, Mark. You're an outlier. Now everyone understands it. So what's happening now 
is all these efforts are being made not to indict a sitting president, which they concede they cannot, but to impeach a sitting president. Because what's happening? Look how the media is being played. Even our friends in the media. Look how they're being played. It looks very bad for the president. You know, now we have Pecker, who will reinforce Cohen's point about the president directing payment. Payment to these women. That influences the campaign. And they just stated something that is perfectly legal. Perfectly legal. And yet on MSNBC and CNN, if you are one of their watchers, one of their viewers, you'll never even hear my points. On my favorite cable station, Fox, you still have half the lawyers on there who don't get it. Hopefully that'll, that'll be cleaned up soon enough. And of course, when it comes to the regular uh, so-called news media and the Washington Post, the New York Times, Wall Street Journal, it's hyper time. It's hyper time. My God, now he's got the, his former buddy who ran the National Enquirer. He's backing up Cohen. Who cares if he's backing up Cohen? It is not a secret that the president made payments in what are NDAs, National Disclosure Agreements, because he didn't want these women speaking. Whether or not he had relations with them is irrelevant. As I said before, let's say it's a candidate running for president, and he's got this ongoing lawsuit against him personally or against his business or whatever it is. And it's been going on, and it's very negative, and it's giving him a lot of negative news, and he's concerned about it. So he tells his lawyer, settle the damn thing. Go ahead and pay him. I'll reimburse you. I'll reimburse you through my corporation. Whatever it is. Settle it. Settle the lawsuit. That's not a campaign violation. And when you look, people want to talk about Trump's morality. Well, let's look at the morality. Here you have two women who've signed non-disclosure agreements who apparently have violated them. Two women who've received funds to sign confidentiality agreements like anybody else out there who signs these agreements or in your employment contract or what have you, and they have violated them. Why? Are they trying to shake them down? Now, that would be unethical, entering into a contract and violating it. That's unethical. Nobody says a word. Not a thing. But look at these fools, Michael Cohen. Look at this fool, David Pecker. They're pleading to non-existent crimes. Maybe it's because the prosecutors are digging, digging, digging into other stuff. So they can write their report. They're going after Manafred because they want to squeeze him. Guilty or not guilty. But say to my friends on TV and radio and say, well, it's not a witch hunt. Look, uh, Manafred got an 8 out of 10, and there was one jury, uh, just one juror, rather, uh, in the other 10 counts, and they couldn't move that, that juror, and she refused to move. They could have gotten her all on 18. That's not a witch hunt. That's not the point, is it? Where's Podesta? What happened to him? Where are the others? What happened to them? There's something called prosecutorial discretion. You decide who you're going to prosecute him, how you're going to prosecute him. They threw everything they had at Manafort in Virginia, and he's teed up for them to throw everything at him in the District of Columbia. They even had him put in solitary confinement. 
They even went after his information in his home, 6 a.m. in the morning. Apparently his wife was in the shower. That does get your attention. There is something odd about that. And all the rest of this that's gone on at the senior level of the FBI, the senior level of the FBI doesn't even work for the FBI anymore. They've either been fired or under investigation or both. Isn't that rather shocking? I'd say so. You had a spy in the Trump campaign at the direction of the FBI. I'd find that pretty amazing, don't you? No, we're supposed to all stop on our heels, sudden stop, because of Michael Cohen, the guy from the National Enquirer, Lanny Davis running around in the Southern District of New York. But when you look at it all, president is in no legal jeopardy. And that's what, what's amazing about this. You have prosecutors who are using their offices, the tools that prosecutors have, that investigators have, not to charge the president of the United States. They concede they can't but to remove him from office by writing a report. And I'm convinced this Michael Cohen matter and the report will include Trump violating our campaign laws. Trump this, Trump that, just one after another after another. And as I say, because the president cannot be indicted, this is particularly devious. It is particularly evil. Evil. Because they do not have to test any of this stuff in the court. We have something that's really never happened, certainly not to this extent in our history. The U.S. Attorney's Office in Manhattan, a concocted U.S. Attorney's Office in the Special Counsel, developing criminal case after criminal case that they cannot bring against the President of the United States, in one case certainly based on bogus campaign law interpretations, in the other case, bogus obstruction arguments, They're going to lay it all out from their perspective, from their advocacy perspective. It'll be treated like the Ten Commandments, like Moses coming down uh, after receiving the tablets from God, coming down the mountain, and here he is, and there it is, and, and the House of Representatives has no choice, none, but to remove the President of the United States. This is exactly what's taking place. President hasn't committed obstruction. President hasn't violated campaign laws. People who have a microphone and a camera in their face who pretend to be conservative should stand up and find this to be outrageous. But so many of them don't. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. somebody who cares about the Constitution other than some people who say they do and then jump like rats off of a sinking ship. It's amazing. People positioning themselves and broadcasting. If you care about the Constitution, you should be repulsed, literally repulsed by what's taking place. We have prosecutors accountable to nobody making allegations You have individuals with all these charges lined up against them who are making bargains, their plea plea deals. 
Uh, you have the case of Cohen as representative is Lanny Davis, and Lanny Davis's conduct the last two days shows you what his primary issue is, Trump, not his client, in my humble opinion. But this is very clever, and it's being done in the shadows, and I guarantee you that the special counsel and the deputy U.S. attorney in the Southern District of New York are coordinating. There's overlap of personnel and a singular purpose. They're coordinating. And they're building up allegations against the president. That's all they are. And that's why it was, they were so desperate to get these campaign so-called violation accounts pled to by, uh, by Cohen. And you can see Lanny Davis running around and say, see, that means the president's guilty, too, and the president's guilty, too, and the president's guilty, too. The president's not guilty of anything. These are not campaign violations. Then they get the National Enquirer guy to say, yes, you, you know, Trump, uh, Trump agreed uh, and directed those payments. As a matter of fact, uh, we made payments here to make sure we wouldn't run certain stories and so forth. Campaign violations. No, they're not campaign violations. Not in the not in the least. The fact that you cannot listen, the fact that you cannot indict a sitting president is now being used against the president in a very, very diabolical way. You have prosecutors making allegations that cannot be challenged and tested in a court of law during the course of a trial against a president of the United States. And they intend to put him in an impeachment report and send it to the House. establishment's worst nightmare. Mark Levin. Call in now. 877-381-3811. Now, no brag, ladies and gentlemen. No brag, just fact. I know the Constitution better than Mr. Mueller and better than those men and women in the Southern District of New York. They know nothing about impeachment. Now, Here's something for you to think about. I will say it. It will be repeated tomorrow. It will be on the news. So stick with me. Stay here. This can be complicated stuff, and I'm going to make it as simple as possible so even a liberal can understand it. The matters that we have been discussing, Mr. Cohen, Mr. Pecker. Yeah, I know. There's a thousand jokes there. Mr. Cohen, Mr. Pecker. Those matters. When did those matters occur? When did those events occur? So those events occurred before the president was president. So not only did he not violate these campaign laws, those matters occurred before the president was president. In 1873... When the House of Representatives, this is from Forbes magazine some time ago. When the House of Representatives was considering the impeachment of Vice President Shiler Colfax for allegedly fraudulent acts that occurred prior to his election, the House Judiciary Committee determined that impeachment under the Constitution, quote, should only be applied to high crimes and misdemeanors committed while in office, which alone affect the officer in discharge of his duties. That is, the events that are being examined for impeachment 
according to this Judiciary Committee in 1873, focused on the vice president at the time, must be events that occurred while the president was president. Or in this case, the vice president was vice president. High crimes and misdemeanors at the time you're holding office. Vice President Koufax, whose term was set to expire within weeks, was not impeached. Now they go on. But in 2010, District Court for the Eastern District of Louisiana Judge Thomas Porteous was removed from office after he was found guilty on four articles of impeachment stemming from charges that he had accepted bribes, used a false name to elude creditors, and intentionally misled the Senate during his confirmation hearings, all actions which occurred prior to his appointment to the federal bench. The issue of the timing of the misconduct appears never to have been raised during the Senate impeachment hearings. Arguably, a clear link existed between Judge Portis's wrongdoing and his service as a federal officer. Nevertheless, no clear-cut answer lies as to whether a federal official can be impeached for past wrongs. Now, even during the Constitutional Convention, the debates over impeachment really focused on this new office they were creating, a president. And it was clearly understood. If you read the transcript in Madison's notes, or read Madison's notes, there is no transcript. That a president is different from a judge. He's even different from the vice president. He's different from all other civil officers subject to impeachment because there's only one president. There are a thousand federal judges. One president. It's looked upon differently. Even the memos that the Department of Justice created over the last 45 years saying you cannot impeach a sitting, excuse me, cannot indict a sitting president point out that the president is different. So he's different for criminal law purposes, and he's different for impeachment purposes from other civil officers. Now, why would that be? Anybody guess? Not only because of the unique nature of that office, but because he stood for election. Federal judges don't stand for election. This federal judge lied to the Senate Judiciary Committee during his confirmation hearings. So to say that he conducted himself and was found guilty, or not found guilty, but he had committed uh, acts of bribery and so forth before he became a judge. That's not all he did. When he was up for confirmation before the Senate Judiciary Committee and was eventually confirmed by the United States Senate, he withheld material information from that committee. The President of the United States stood for election. To the extent the American people knew anything about the Russia interference in our election uh, was only because the Obama administration withheld that information from the American people until the very end. Until the very end. Donald Trump wasn't president of the United States. He didn't withhold any information from anybody. Moreover, it wouldn't matter. He was elected president of the United States. Not appointed, not confirmed to some other position. I hope you're with me on this. This is all very, very important. It will all come up again. Moreover, again, the judge misled the Senate. The President of the United States was elected. Uh, they knew about these women. They knew that uh, payments were made. So not that that even matters. It's just a different process altogether. 
The president in office hasn't committed any offenses. And I would argue what he's being investigated for aren't offenses either. But Mr. Mueller wants to create a scenario in which he can say the president obstructed justice by coming to the defense of his dear friend James Comey and others. That the president intended to, was seeking to, took steps to obstruct the Russia investigation. He failed to do it. He was ineffective. But that's what he did. And then they'll go to his tweets. And they'll go to his demands over sessions and all the rest of it to make this bogus case for impeachment. If you are a conservative and you are a broadcaster and you believe in the Constitution and you believe in the rule of law, now is not the time to play games. Now is not the time to position yourself for your career. Now is not the time to show that you, you're level-headed, that you, you actually look at events, you know, and you balance it. Nobody cares about that. There are times at which you have to do what's right. And some of these broadcasters are never Trumpers. They didn't vote for Trump, which they don't reveal. If you believe in the Constitution, you must stand up now. Whether you agree with the president on this policy, that policy, or another policy, this is a different matter altogether. We cannot have prosecutors in the U.S. Attorney's Office, in any U.S. Attorney's Office, let alone the Southern District of New York, any fabricated office, the special counsel, who are in the business of writing impeachment reports, or no president will be able to function properly. This is our republic. This is our Constitution. It has separation of powers. A debilitated president is a disaster for a country. And yet that's what's going on here. The effort to debilitate Trump, the effort to burden Trump, the effort to make it impossible for him to do what he's supposed to do under our constitutional order. This is an attack on our constitutional order. How many more U.S. attorneys will jump in? And as for Jeff Sessions, I spent a lot of time at the Department of Justice, the same place where he is. Spent a lot of time working for an attorney general. I'm well familiar with the office, the conference room, which floor it's on, and all the rest of it. And when he says they're going to apply the law, they're not going to be political, he already blew it. Because his deputy attorney general, as acting attorney general, appointed Mr. Mueller. That is a special counsel. It was purely political. He couldn't stand the pressure from the Democrats and the media, and quite frankly, Comey. There was no basis for it. Now the media, they don't care about the Constitution. They only care about the part that says freedom of the press. And they really don't care about freedom of the press. Because they're not about freedom of the press. They're about having the power to advance their ideology, having the power to advance their agenda. That's what they're about. And they use the protection of the freedom of the press to do so. Nobody's threatening them. Their corporate masters aren't threatening them. The President of the United States has taken no actions to threaten them. Congress isn't threatening them. You and I, we're not threatening them. And yet look at them. Bunch of howling buffoons. And buffoons they are. 
And we're going to get into more of, uh, of this. You see this MSNBC, it's on the Drudge Report. MSNBC. Their ratings are at an all-time high. Historic high. They've never been higher in the last week. And Drudge uh, likes to put up Rachel Maddow's ratings. Almost 4 million viewers. Wow. This is why MSNBC has taken the tack that it has. This is why MSNBC has lurched hard left. And they have these preposterous hosts, these buffoons, who are not news people. Like Katie Turr, among others. Because it's a business. MSNBC is NBC. NBC is Comcast. They get higher ratings. They get more advertisers and they can charge higher rates. They're not a news operation. They're playing to the hard left Democrat base. That's the niche they've created for themselves. CNN is trying to do the same thing because they figure that's the broader part of the population. They figure wrong and they've abandoned abandoned their original uh, charter as a news operation. It's not really freedom of the press. It's freedom of speech when it comes to these entities because they're not really press. They're a bunch of people on TV talking. That's fine. But that's freedom of speech. They don't, they don't really represent an honest press in this country. And they're not defending one. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. So the impeachment of a president is for actions taken while president. Not talking about judges. Not talking about other civil officers. Bill Clinton was impeached for actions he took as president of the United States. Perjury, suborning perjury. Recall he lied in front of a federal judge during a civil deposition and so forth and so on. That's one example. Andrew Johnson, Lincoln's vice president, became president, ascended to the presidency after Lincoln's assassination. It was a bogus impeachment, quite frankly, just like this one would be should it take place, and it'll be as, as, uh, uh, as disreputable as what took place to Andrew Johnson. Uh, but he was accused of high crimes and misdemeanors based on actions he took or didn't take, more correctly, as president of the United States. And things that took place prior to being president of the United States are not subject to impeachment. They're not subject to impeachment. You could see during the the Constitutional Convention, as pointed out by Raul Berger, who was a brilliant, brilliant man, the debate that took place between uh, George Mason and James Madison and others on what language to use. And, of course, they barred from the British and the British Parliament, and they're dealing with the Crown. Mason proposed adding the word maladministration. Madison said, no, that's too vague a term. That would be equivalent to a tenure during the pleasure of the Senate. And high crimes and misdemeanors was accepted in its place. 
and it was made for the purpose of limiting, not expanding, the initial Mason proposal of maladministration. Can you imagine now going back to something that is alleged prior to the individual's elected president and impeaching him for that? As bogus as it is, these campaign issues, as bogus as it is, the phony obstruction of justice. But can you imagine using these campaign uh, plea deals that go before the president was president of the United States? See, Ladies and gentlemen, this, this is the thing that's made of the old Soviet Union, the third world. The president calls it a witch hunt. It is a witch hunt. And the news, I just told you about the case in 1873 involving the vice president of the United States. My friend Jan LaRue pointed it out to me. It goes back two and a half years, that Forbes magazine article. But now you can actually study that. Nobody has studied it on any cable channel. None of the lawyers have brought it up. I brought it up. You can't indict a sitting president. None of the lawyers brought it up. None of the cable channels brought it up. I brought it up. President should fight a subpoena all the way up to the Supreme Court. Others said, no, he'd have to plead the fifth. He'd have to assert this and that. The professors. I said, no, he doesn't. Now they agree he doesn't. I'm telling you now that what these prosecutors are doing is they're abusing their power. They're using investigative tools prosecutors, FBI agents, among others, to collect information, to make allegations, to enter into plea agreements that will smear the president of the United States, that will never see the light of day in a federal courtroom, so they cannot be adjudicated, and they will make these allegations and their phony interpretations of campaign laws, among others, put them in a report, send them to the House, and make the allegation as if it's indictment, and then throw it into the political process. This is a first. This is an absolute first. This is what I meant by silent coup. This is an absolute first. It is unprecedented what's being done to Donald Trump. And for, and for conservatives to sit on the edge of their chair and say, well, you know, he lies, he's got this issue, and, and not only that, and, and he may have been unfaithful to us, what... It's, it's unbelievable for me to hear how they refuse to focus on the threats to the republic. That's what I'm all about. That's what my radio show is about, my digital TV is about, my Fox show is about, my writings are about. When I go into the studio, I say to myself, what can we do for liberty today? What can we do for the republic today? What can we do for the Constitution today? We need to defend them. All right, would you pay your hard-earned money to join an organization that fought tooth and nail for a government-run health care system? How about an organization that scripted portions of White House speeches behind closed doors to ensure the passage of Obamacare? Or an organization that stood against tax cuts for the middle class and uh, small business owners? Would you join an organization like that? No. Then don't join the AARP. Join AMAC, the conservative alternative. AMAC offers an alternative to just about every benefit the AARP offers, but without the liberal agenda. Become an AMAC member right now as I have. Go to AMAC.us. Wouldn't you rather belong to an organization that fights for your values, like protecting our borders by enforcing the immigration laws, supporting small business, and standing up for your individual God-given rights? AMAC is the way to go. There's a ton of work to be done. And AMAC is asking that you help them fight the good fight by becoming a member today. 
Join right now at amac.us. That's A-M-A-C dot U-S. AMAC is better, better for you, and better for America. Folks, stay right here. You'll get the facts. You'll get the law. You'll get the Constitution. In these very, very dangerous waters that we're trying to swim, you'll get it here first, and you'll get it here right. Because that's what I'm all about. And I'll be right back. From the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, everybody. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877-381-3811, 877-381-3811. Our friends at Newsbusters captured. They mentioned impeachment 222 times. But keep in mind, these are news organizations. Right? News organizations. Impeachment 222 times. Here's a taste of this from Newsbusters. Cut four, go. The president of the United States of America, Donald J. Trump, is named a co-conspirator of a federal crime. Whoa, 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 whoa. No, he was never named a co-conspirator. Never named a co-conspirator. This is media? This is press? No, it's not. These are ideologues. These are propagandists. These are demagogues. They could all be Maxine Waters. Let's start from the top. Go. The president of the United States of America, Donald J. Trump, is named a co-conspirator of a federal crime. Is that grounds for impeachment? Do you think impeachment is more likely at this point? Impeachment. 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 Does this move the needle at all? More confidence to move forward on impeachment. The president facing impeachment. Impeachment will be on the Democrats' agenda. The I-word. Impeachment. The I-word. Impeachment. The I-word. Impeachment. The I-word. The I-word. And impeachment. Let's take a look at the process of impeachment. Impeachment, 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 impeachment to impeach or impeachment, impeachment. He would have been impeached. All of it bringing impeachment back to the forefront. Talking about impeachment. Impeachment talk. Impeachment is a more viable option. Do you think it would be appropriate to immediately begin impeachment proceedings? Impeachment. Impeachment. Impeachable. Impeachment. 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 Got it? Ooh, free press, media. And as Jake Tapper likes to say, because he's a narcissist and an egomaniac, he's there, you know, to make sure the uh, Trump's lies are challenged because they're about the truth. High crimes and misdemeanors when it comes to the president of the United States. High crimes and misdemeanors apply to serious wrongdoing and not necessarily criminal wrongdoing, of course, by the president as president. So I want to tell the nitwits in the Southern District of New York, and you, you schmo, you deputy uh, U.S. attorney, you, you clown, I'm talking to you. All these little campaign issues you're trying to turn into felonies, 
just because you have a schmo by the name of Michael Cohen, just because you have a, a Hillary goon by the name of Lanny Davis, just because you have a clown that runs a sleazy newspaper called the National Enquirer, and you threaten them with this and you threaten them with that, and they buckle, and you got, oh, look at this, we got them on the campaign issues. Number one, you got Trump on nothing. Number two, hello? All that happened prior to the time he was president of the United States. So you can't indict him, and at least if the House were to follow the rules, you can't impeach him. Certainly not on that. Problem is, the Democrats want to elect a mob. A Democrat mob who will steamroll the Constitution. Because they don't care about the Constitution. That's the bottom line. They will steamroll the Constitution. And you have Mr. Mueller and the Southern District of New York conspiring, colluding, working together to load up the report to Mr. Rosenstein, who is a coward who will quickly turn it over to the United States Congress, leak it to the media, somebody will. Where they lay out their criminal allegations that don't... Can you imagine being a prosecutor? Can you imagine being a prosecutor... Being able to make charges and not have to test them in the court of law. Again, a prosecutor is not a judge. A prosecutor is not a jury. A prosecutor is not a, an objective arbitrator or mediator. He's an advocate. She's an advocate. And they'll be able to say the President of the United States violated this campaign law. He violated the limits on corporate giving. He violated the limits on personal giving. He directed his lawyer to make these payments. Hush money, hush money. These non-disclosure agreements, they're all hush money. No, 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 hush money. Wow. And we know it's true because, because these, uh, these uh, miscreants, Cohen and Pecker, they have pled guilty to them, so they must be true. Unindicted co-conspirator. Say the media, even though... Trump hasn't been called that. But that, that doesn't stop uh, Mueller in his report from saying that. And uh, so the real diabolical, unconscionable nature of this is you have prosecutors who are required to prove their cases that don't have to prove anything. And a president of the United States that does not even have the ability to defend himself. And you hear these, 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 these clowns in the media say, why is he tweeting? Why is he saying these things? Why is it? Because he has no choice. There's no other way for him to deal with this. This is unprecedented. Unprecedented. I mean, we've had independent counsel before. You had the, uh, we've had special prosecutors before. They write the reports and they release them and so forth and so on. But this is specifically being done for the purpose of impeachment. That's why it's being done. Russia collusion. That's a quaint, quaint thought at this point, isn't it? Why do you think they're going after the Manhattan madam and this clown Roger Stone? because they want to dig up more information, try and get more plea agreements, load up the report. I'll bet you a, uh, a McDonald's Big Mac that what's happening in the Southern District of New York will wind up in Mueller's report. 
What do you think? But even if it doesn't, the Democrats have it now. And I love the way Nancy Pelosi and the other Democrat leaders are tamping down impeachment talk because they don't want you to be upset. They want you to sit there and I get callers who say this and you have analysts who say, look, look, there's no blue wave. What are you worried about? Sit tight. It's not a big deal. And what do I say every time? Wake the hell up. There is a blue wave and it can only be beaten by a red wave. 12th District of Ohio, a Republican district. 87% of the Democrats turn out, 40% of the Republicans. In a Republican district, imagine what happens in a marginal district. They'll all get blown out, the Republicans. Since when do you listen to Nancy Pelosi or Elijah Cummings or the media? This is a five-alarm fire. It is a five-alarm fire. Well, you know, uh, Trump, uh, he does lie. I don't care. That's not what we're talking about here. We're talking about the constitutional system. We're talking about reversing an election. We're talking about prosecutors who are involved in the impeachment process. We're talking about a whole array of potential crimes and interventions in the last election that have been ignored by the criminal side of the Department of Justice. No U.S. attorneys picked it up. The special counsel hasn't picked it up. Why? Why? Chasing the Manhattan madam? But you can't chase Hillary Clinton? Why? And then on top of that, her serial violations of the Espionage Act. The case is laid out by Jim Comey himself. But then he decides we can't pull the trigger because the law doesn't say what the law says, and I've decided to change it. We all watch that press conference. We're waiting for him to say he's He's recommending she be charged, and he immediately reverses course. So the candidate who didn't violate the Espionage Act, he's the one under the gun. The candidate who did not hire Fusion GPS and use the Russians to get a FISA warrant on Hillary Clinton's campaign, he's the one under investigation. Can you believe it? No, no, no. But you have to understand, Mark, I understand everything. We all know what the hell's going on here. And what is it exactly that President Trump has done that's so horrible as President of the United States? Trying to secure the border? Trying to deal with MS-16? Trying to build up the United States military to deal with China, Russia, North Korea, Iran, etc., etc.? Trying to uphold his promises against an obstructionist Congress of both parties? What exactly has Donald Trump done as president that's so horrific? Where he's called a racist, he's called a dictator, he's called mentally ill, and on and on and on. And yet Mr. Mueller is God himself, godlike figure. Suddenly Mr. Comey is angelic. Absolutely unbelievable. In the face of the greatest scandal in American political history, the senior level of the FBI, senior level of our intelligence agencies, the unmasking of American citizens, including a retired lieutenant general, and the leaking of their names to the media, putting a spy in the Trump campaign, using opposition research as a basis for a federal warrant, a FISA court warrant that is a re-approved, that is approved 
three more times, including by the current Deputy Attorney General of the United States. A mole in the office of the Deputy Attorney General by the name of Bruce Orr, whose wife works for Fusion GPS, whose wife is working on opposition against the opposition candidate Donald Trump, who uses his mole position in the Deputy Attorney General's office to push information to the FBI through a guy by the name of Peter Stroke, who has since been fired, their top counterintelligence investigator. Meanwhile, Peter Stroke investigating, launching, triggering an investigation against Trump world for Russian collusion. He's the one who's a special pleader for a Russian oligarch who's on the no visa list. None of this is under criminal investigation. None of this has warranted Jeff Sessions' attention. None of it has warranted Rod Rosenstein's attention. And while Mr. Mueller's chasing hookers in Manhattan, he has not seen fit to expand his investigation to cover any of that. What a sickening, pathetic spectacle. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Don't we, Mr. Producer? Ron DeSantis, who is a wonderful, wonderful uh, conservative. He's running in the Republican uh, race primary for uh, the governorship of the state of Florida, where I have a home as well. And it is very important for conservatives in Florida and all over the country that he be their nominee. Uh, His opponent, Adam Putnam, is... In my view, a uh, really a bought and paid for mouthpiece for what they call down here Big Sugar. Big Sugar gets a lot of protection from the federal government, from state government. They get subsidies. And as you know, I believe in free trade. I believe in free market capitalism. I don't believe in Big Sugar or Big Anything getting subsidies from the American taxpayer or state taxpayers. And that's what DeSantis is up against. On top of that, he's a solid conservative. So we'll have him on at the bottom of the hour. The voting begins, uh, I believe, next week. Tuesday is the election. And it's about time that patriotic conservatives stop talking and start voting. Start, Stop talking and start voting. Frank. In the Bay Area, California, the great KSFO. Go. Hey, uh, Mark, the great one. Thank you uh, for taking my call. Yep. Hey, I wanted to go ahead and say, first off, say, uh, I really appreciate your intelligence and your legal mind on the matter. And um, I have two questions for you. And, uh, you know, I can take it off, off the, off the uh, air. Uh, basically, where uh, first question is regarding uh, Trump's legal team. Why don't they just take, you know, because President uh, Trump cannot fire Mueller for political reasons, why doesn't the legal team just take it to a federal court that, with all the reasons that you laid out, and state that uh, what Mueller's team has done is actually unconstitutional, and then go fight it in the courts that way to go ahead and have this investigation? Well, let, let, me, let me slow it down, because he hasn't done anything he unconstitutional yet 
In my view, the unconstitutional action was done by the Deputy Attorney General in violation of the Appointments Clause. But I'm certain, I don't know directly, I have no direct information, but I have to feel certain uh, that the Trump lawyers are prepared to do whatever they need to do should Mueller give them the opportunity. So you can't just roll into federal court. Uh, So uh, on this uh, issue, for instance, of a subpoena, Uh, That will give the Trump team every opportunity they need uh, to go into court and and go on the offense as a legal matter. Now, keep a few things in mind. Uh, The last president of the United States loaded up the federal courts with left-wing activists, particularly at the federal district court level. Uh, So this thing would have to get through the federal district court, the appellate court, and to the Supreme Court. There are ways to seek an emergency hearing at the United States Supreme Court. And uh, the president's lawyers, as well as Mueller and his lawyers, they would have to think about how they want to approach that. The president would have to decide if he wants to try and get this done before the midterm election or to drag it out and make uh, Mueller fight for every inch of legal territory. So that is a, uh, a legal strategy that will have to be decided. But that's the answer to that question. What's your second question? Well, um, just to follow up on that first question, because I, I, I do listen to you very quite often, uh, it, it wouldn't. As you stated before, the whole investigation to begin with was illegal by Mr. Rosenstein to actually appoint the Mueller team in the beginning, to uh, to begin with. So wouldn't that be... I know, but as you said earlier, there are political ramifications. And so the time to hammer this is when uh, Mueller pushes the office of the presidency and the president himself to a point at which he must defend the office. And a subpoena demanding the personal appearance or interview of a president of the United States for bogus reasons, not because any crime's been committed, but because a prosecutor wants to create a a criminal environment. Uh, That is the battle the president would want to fire, not just to bring something up on a theoretical matter, but to duke it out with brass knuckles on an actual factual uh, predicate. Well, thank you for that that answer, uh, Mr. Levin. The other question I had is had to do with attorney-client privilege with them actually using Mr. Cohen uh, against President Trump. Isn't there attorney-client privilege that there's a, there's obstruction there? There, In every state under the rules of professional conduct, there's what's called the crime-fraud exception. And so the allegation that Cohen is making is uh, that... Uh, he can he can talk to and work with the prosecutors because he's revealing criminal conduct. I find this to be an outrage because a lawyer on his own to make such an assertion, a prosecutor who's looking for a heads to embrace it as such. But the problem has you have another left wing judge that's overseeing most of this, appointed by uh, Bill Clinton, by the name of Kimba Woods. You know, so uh, that's a problem. All right. Good questions, my friend. We'll be right back. Mark Levin, the thunder on the right. Call in now, 877-381-3811. Summer's almost gone, but not the sunspots, brown spots, and UV damage to your face, neck, and shoulders. Introducing Genesel's brand new sunspot corrector and the 10-day only summer repair sale. Roseanne from Akron, Ohio says, In just days I saw a lightning of dark spots on my cheeks and I'm ordering more now. And just like Roseanne, 
If you click or call right now, you'll get the Genesel Sunspot Corrector absolutely free just for trying Genesel for bags and puffiness today. Finally see those stubborn sunspots vanish, even the ones you had for years. Those bags and puffiness, gone. And for results on less than 12 hours, the Genesel Immediate Effects is also free. Go to Genesel.com now or call 800-SKIN-604. 800-SKIN-604. While supplies last, Chaminade's Microdermabrasion is also yours, free, for the first time this year. Keep the great memories from the summer fun, not the wrinkles, inflammation, and sunspots. Call 800-SKIN-604, 800-SKIN-604, or go to Genesel.com. That's Genesel.com. Congressman Ron DeSantis, how are you, sir? I'm doing great, Mark. How are you doing? I'm doing very, very well. So I am broadcasting from the Florida bunker, and uh, I get off the airplane with my beautiful wife. And Julie and I are driving down 95, and we see these Adam Putnam signs, and they're all over the damn place. I thought to myself, where does this race stand? Let me talk to my man, Ron DeSantis, who I've strongly endorsed, as has Sean Hannity, as has the President of the United States, as has so many solid constitutional conservatives. Where does this stand? Well, we're doing very, very well. Um, uh, Based on our numbers, we've got a strong lead. Can't take anything for granted. Uh, Any of the folks out there listening, early voting is going on right now. You can go tomorrow. You can go Saturday, Sunday. Um, And then if you can't do it by then, Tuesday is the final primary day. So we want everyone getting out. And look, at the end of the day, Mark, uh, what we we succeeded in doing is just defining the choice for Republican primary voters between a guy like me, who's a military veteran, served in Iraq, versus Putnam, who's been in politics since he was 22 and never had a career outside of it, a guy like me, who's a principled conservative leader, and then somebody like Putnam, who was in uh, bed with these entrenched interests, including U.S. sugar. And then, of course, I was endorsed by President Trump. He had hated Trump. Then he liked Trump. Now he's out criticizing Trump again. I I guess he just can't figure out where he stands. And then when you have you and Sean and everybody coming down, the voters saw the choice. And so I think we have a chance to win a really strong victory on Tuesday. That'll help carry us into the general with a lot of momentum. You know, Florida's one of the few remaining states that doesn't have a state income tax. There's certain unique things in Florida that are exceptional. And it's one of the reasons so many people move to Florida from the Northeast and from other parts of the country, even California. They want to come to an environment that, and I don't just mean a climate environment that's wonderful. They want to come to a, an environment that's pro-business, pro-individual. There's not massive regulations and massive taxes. Would you apply your conservative principles to trying to defend Florida in this respect? Absolutely, Mark. And we have a chance to not only defend it, but make it better. Um, we have a chance to appoint three conservative Supreme Court justices to replace the three liberal justices who have mandatory retirement. That has kind of been one of the problems with Florida is we've had a very activist judiciary. That ends if I'm governor and we will have a a, a solid constitutionalist court. There will be no more judicial activism. We obviously need to do some more stuff to rein in our out-of-control litigation climate. But if you start tackling those remaining issues, you're going to have a state, I think, that's going to be number one. I think we can compete and beat Texas. And if I'm governor, you're going to see the investment come. If you have a Democrat governor who's committed to taxing and spending and regulating, 
uh, we're going to blow a historic opportunity. You're not going to see the flight of capital and investment into Florida that you would if we continue and build upon the positive environment we've had under Rick Scott. What do you say to the Republic, the Republicans in Florida that are voting now in the Republican primary? They say, you know what, DeSantis has it all wrapped up. I don't really need to vote. Everything's going to be fine. What do you say to that? You know, we're seeing all over the country, and it's very annoying to me, quite frankly. It's very frustrating. You look in the 12th District of Ohio, that's a Republican district, 87% of Democrats turned out, 40% of Republicans. What do you say to pro-capitalists, less tax, less regulation, uh, constitutional court, conservatives out there, to tell them, don't sit down. you got to get out and vote. Absolutely. You can make a huge difference by coming out. Uh, the stakes are very high. We're kind of at an inflection point in Florida. We can solidify our state as the place to be, uh, or we can go in the direction of many of these other states that have gone in the tax and spend direction. That's possible if people don't come out and vote. So people absolutely need to get out in the primary. Uh, I think I'm in great shape at the same time. You can take nothing for granted when you're running these races. You have to run like your life depends on it. That's what we're doing. You know, we're going to be all over the state in the next few days um, and have been. So please get out and vote. You can also, if you have any questions, go to rondesantis.com and you can contact us and we can tell you where your polling place is or whatever you need. Uh, we're, We're here to help. All right, Mr. Reducer, let's go ahead and put that link on our website. Mr. Putnam, if you're interested in coming on the program, I do have a lot of questions for you, particularly regarding sugar. I happen to like sugar, uh, but I don't like subsidizing it. Uh, so, uh, Ron DeSantis, we wish you all the best, and my best to your beautiful wife and family. Take care of yourself. God bless, Mark. Thank you. All right, you too. So voting now in Florida, right now, tomorrow, Monday, Tuesday, vote. Mark, what can we do? What can we do? Vote! That's what we do. Vote. Vote in the midterm elections, too. There's an easy way to stop the Democrats. Don't let them win. And to me, this is the primary issue. It's an odd midterm election. I would never say to you, vote for a moderate Republican in the House. Vote for a liberal Republican in the House. You ask your Republicans who are there now, or Republicans who are running, one question. Would you vote to impeach the president? If they say no then vote for them. That's where I'm coming from right now. Why? Because I believe in the constitutional system. Because I do believe what's taking place here is a silent coup. I believe we have out of control, certain public officials out of control, and we have a, uh, a meeting or, or, or a combination of events that are really, really dangerous for this society. And so you want to stop them? You have the power to stop them. Many of you don't vote in these off-year elections. You better vote like it matters. You're voting for your Constitution. That's the way I see it. You're voting for your Constitution. Marco, Woodbridge, Virginia, the great WMAL. Go. Hey, Mark, how you doing? Okay. Hey, your clarity is on 10. Your articulation is on 10. I like the way you use the word evil. I've been using that the past 24 hours. And it seems to me like uh, Mueller is functioning as the sole branch of government as king, and I don't see any counterbalancing forces coming out. I know you've said in the past, if Trump fires Sessions, what do you think will happen? 
Well, since we're nearing that already, why not? Well, I'll tell you why not. And the president know what, knows what's best for the president politically. Why would you do that before a midterm election and just bring out more yahoos to vote against you? I mean, let's think this through. Let's be rational and not emotional and knee-jerk. president starts firing these people before an election. What do you think is going to happen? After the election. What's that? After the election. I still didn't hear you. After oh. the election? Yeah, after yeah. the election? Let me tell you something. Even Lindsey Graham said today, maybe it's time for a new attorney general. We cannot have a situation after the election. We cannot have a situation where these people are in office and they're protected because if you fire them, somebody might try to impeach you or the media will attack you. I mean, he's got to he's got to shore up uh, the Republican votes uh, coming uh, in November. He's got to shore up the fact that he has enough Republicans. But it's amazing, isn't it? The Democrats hate Jeff Sessions. And yet if the president fires him now, they will use that against him. You've got an out-of-control special counsel. You've got an out-of-control U.S. attorney's office. You have uh, a, a Department of Justice in too many respects that's controlled by the deputy attorney general. You have more and more gutless Republicans in the House and the Senate. The president's standing alone in many respects. And, and he's got to, and he is, think these things through. What we say at the dinner table is not necessarily what he should do. All right, Marco, thank you, my friend. Appreciate your excellent call. Rich, Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, the great WRNN. Go. Thank you, Marco. I've been listening to you for a long time. You speak of Lindsey Graham. He was on the front page of our paper this morning saying that he wasn't sure if what happened with Kong was an impeachable offense or not. And I called up his office and went 10 minutes round to round with some guy named Don in Lindsey Graham's office. He's been a Trump hater from day one. He doesn't do anything. I said to the fellow in the office, Pat, wrap this Mueller investigation up and get over with it. And he says to me, don't you want to see it come to its conclusion? I said, it'll take 10 years if you guys don't step on his toes and make him do something and put up a shot. But, you know, I can't wait for somebody to primary Lindsey Graham. i got to get rid of this guy. Let me, let, me, let me, you raise a very, very important point about Congress. What has Congress become, Rich? Seriously. They become their own government and their own tyranny over the people. But, but what do they do? Nothing. They no, they do. So you know what they do? What does Congress basically do now, ladies and gentlemen? Spends money. I've been thinking about this. Spends money. Redistributes money. Creates programs. Creates entitlements. That's what Congress does. That's pretty much all it does. And they always get bipartisanship when they do it, don't they, Rich? That's right. Spend money, borrow money, create programs, create entitlements, expand entitlements. That's all Congress seems to do, or 90% of what they do. And yet they have an independent responsibility under our Constitution to make sure our Constitution holds firm. They haven't held a single hearing on what Mueller's doing. Instead, you have, you have Republicans saying, we are going to protect Mueller. You must not touch Mueller. Following the, uh, the, the, the song of the Democrats, sing just like them. You know what I said to uh, this fellow in the office? I said, you know what? What are Republicans going to take a playbook from the Democrats? If some senator or president that's Democratic murders somebody, they all stick together and say, we didn't see anything, we didn't do anything. Whereas all these Republicans only look out for themselves and they try to keep the status quo. They don't do anything to gang up and protect our president. They do everything they can to go with whatever way the no, wind blows. Right. Just protect their own family and Congress. I, I have another question. Why don't we ask every single member of Congress who's seeking our vote and those who aren't? 
How can it be that the president of the United States violated federal campaign laws when he spends his own money on a non-disclosure agreement, and yet all these members of Congress who spent taxpayer money on cutting these deals when they were accused of sexual harassment and sexual abuse using our dollars, how is it then that they didn't violate the very same federal campaign laws? said the same thing today, Mark, when I spoke to this guy in Senator Graham's office, I said to him, two of the things that Cohen admitted to aren't even illegal. He goes, well, I, I can't say that for sure. I said, anybody knows that for sure. You don't have to be a lawyer to know that. I'm talking to morons in the office. Well, if they're illegal, then send the, uh, the police wagon up to Capitol Hill and start loading it up with members of Congress. Thank you for your call, my friend. Not just because several used apparently taxpayer dollars to settle sexual harassment claims so you wouldn't know about it when you go to vote. Right, Mr. U.S. Attorney's Office in the Southern District of New York? Right, Lanny Davis? You low IQ moron, right? But more than that, let me ask you a question. When members of Congress do anything that is intended to improve their position for re-election, to influence their re-election? Is that a crime? When members of Congress pass legislation or spend your tax dollars on programs or whatever it is, so it could positively, quote-unquote, influence their re-election, influence the campaign, and they're not even using their own money, is that a crime? I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Ex-chair. I'm sitting in my ex-chair. Two ex-chairs. One in Virginia, one in Florida. Why? I love these chairs. 99% of all office chairs are one size fits all. And as a result, your chair is not properly suited to your particular body size and your shape and your comfort level. That's why you need the X-Chair. X-Chair's patented DVL, that is Dynamic Variable Lumber Support, offers unparalleled support and comfort for your lower back. And you'll feel the difference the moment you sit down. The DVL fits your back like a glove and moves with you throughout the day. Now, you have to feel it to believe it. I sit in these chairs all day long. I'm telling you from personal experience. Proper support and good posture mean better concentration, increased productivity, higher quality output than you've ever dreamed possible. And I'll tell you something else. It's good to feel comfortable when you're sitting in your chair and your back is an aching and your neck is an aching. It's very, very important. And by the way, if you're a business owner, I strongly recommend giving X chairs to your entire staff. Just wait until you see how much your employees appreciate them and how productive they become. It's a smart investment. Feel the X chair difference for yourself with their 30-day risk-free in-home trial. Got that? 30-day risk-free in-home trial. And here's a special deal just for you, my listeners. Go to xchairlevin.com, xchairlevin.com right now and get $100 off. That's xchairlevin.com or you can call them on their toll-free number, 1-844-4-X-Chair. 
X-Chair. X-Chair comes with a 30-day, no-questions-asked guarantee of complete satisfaction. Go to xchairlevin.com now. And by the way, if you use another code, that is Levin Footrest, L-E-V-I-N Footrest, and you'll get a free footrest, which is what I use too. That's xchairlevin.com. And get your free footrest by going to code Levin Footrest. Man, we have great guests for Life, Liberty, and Levin this Sunday. Do you know who they are, Mr. Producer? I just saw a commercial on Fox. I want to salute my brothers and sisters at Fox. I haven't seen these, and there we are. Did you see who they are? Who are they? And Candace Owens and Katie Pavlich, two of the smartest young people out there, solid conservatives. I'm going to spend an entire hour with them on Life, Liberty, and Levin on Sunday, 10 p.m. Eastern, 7 p.m. Pacific. They are sharp. They are courageous. And these are two young ladies, along with other young people who are out there, who are the future of the conservative movement. And I really believe it. I'm going to spend the entire hour with Katie Pavlich and Candace Owens together. So I think it'll be an enormous amount of fun and a lot of education, too. And by the way, have you been watching our Levin TV We spent a lot of time on Levin TV. It's the first program on what became CRTV, the Conservative Root TV Network. We've made digital TV work, and now others, again, are following us. Our friends at Fox, our friends at Westwood One, some of the others, I believe. They're now all doing or trying or thinking about the same exact thing. But we're the originals. 844-LEVIN-TV, check us out. 844-LEVIN-TV. We have a ton of fun. There's no commercials. We got great hosts, over 20 of them now. Some of the best conservatives and libertarians. Smartest, funny people you can imagine. Check us out. I'll be right back. From the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, everybody. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877-381-3811, 877-381-3811. The Democrat Party is not the only entity that is obsessed with Trump's impeachment. The media. The media are pushing the impeachment of Donald Trump day in and day out. The so-called free press. And I'm going to give you a perfect example of this. NBC News. They have people on their email list, right? And they send it out to untold numbers of people. And here's the headline by Pete Williams and Tom Winter. Did Trump just inadvertently admit to violating federal law? In an interview with Fox News Thursday morning, President Donald Trump said the payments that his former lawyer, Michael Cohen, admitted making to Stormy Daniels and Karen McDougal were not illegal. They weren't campaign finance, he said. They came from me. They didn't come out of the campaign. Does it matter that Trump paid the two women out of his own pocket rather than using campaign funds? Yes. These are supposed to be news guys. 
But it raises the possibility that he committed a campaign finance law violation. Failure to report a campaign expense. That's different than the one to which Cohen pleaded guilty in federal court. on. So now they think they have another angle. Now they think they have another angle. That is that he paid it out of his own pocket, but he should have reported it as a campaign expense. Wrong, 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 low IQ press people. It's not a campaign expense. Therefore, it's not required to be reported on any campaign financial disclosure forms. It's not a felony. It's not a campaign expense. It doesn't have to be on financial uh, disclosure reforms. It's nothing of the damn sort. Man, things are falling around here. In the case of McDougal, Cohen pleaded guilty to encouraging America Media, publisher of the supermarket tabloid National Enquirer, to pay her $150,000 to keep quiet. That violated two campaign finance laws, one that makes it illegal for a corporation to give money directly to a campaign, and another that limits how much any individual can contribute. He didn't give money directly to a campaign. And he can give whatever the hell he wants, because there are no campaign limits, because it's not a campaign donation. These are two so-called reporters at NBC. This email is being sent all over the land. The Stormy Daniels case is different. If Trump had paid the money to her directly, that would not necessarily be illegal if it had been accounted for correctly. A candidate can contribute any amount of money to his own campaign. This is the problem Dershowitz can't get over. And he's wrong. Yes, a candidate can contribute whatever he wants to his own campaign. And in doing so, he or she must report it on their their, uh, campaign disclosure forms. But it's not a campaign payment. It's not a campaign donation. Not only do I know it, but the former chairman of the Federal Election Commission has said so repeatedly on this program. Cohen made the payment, and when he sought reimbursement from Trump, he described it as payment for legal fees. That would suggest that it was an attempt to disguise what the payment was for, which could be a further campaign violation. No, it's actually the truth. It is a legal fee. He paid Cohen. He reimbursed Cohen, who paid Stormy Daniels in exchange for the non-disclosure agreement. It is not a campaign... I don't even, I can't even yell at any louder. I'm surrounded by stupid lawyers. I'm surrounded by stupid media. It's not because I'm so smart. It's because they're so damn dumb. There are legal defenses available to both Trump and America media. Trump could say the payment to Daniel was not to influence the campaign, but was to save his marriage. American media could say that as a news organization, you can make any arrangements they want. You don't need to make any of those arguments. None of them. But how is he in legal jeopardy? Let's say they're right and they're wrong. Let's just pretend that we're as stupid as these people are. He can't be indicted. So why is he in legal jeopardy? How is he in legal jeopardy? He's in no legal jeopardy. Oh, my Lord. I tell you, no wonder people can't figure this stuff out. They're hit left and right with BS, with absolute BS. The press are now pushing for impeachment. I have been calling this a silent coup from the very earliest. A silent coup. 
And you should go back and Google the news uh, entity, so-called. Uh, hey, this kook, uh, Mark Levin, calling it a silent coup. Uh, yes, it, it's a silent coup. Look at him. Oh, a silent coup. We're trying to... T- it is a silent coup. Silent as opposed to a violent coup. Pretty incredible. It's happening right before your eyes, but they're telling you don't look. They're telling you don't know. The media have exposed themselves. The media are progressive ideologues as a group. The media are using the First Amendment and freedom of the press as a cudgel to take down a president of the United States. The media are working with the Democrats to press their agenda. It's really quite simple. That is exactly what's taking place here. And the prosecutors, of course, they don't have to present their case, quote-unquote, against Donald Trump in a court of law. They don't have to test their interpretation of the law. It's their say-so. Now, can you imagine a country like that? So, in essence, the President of the United States cannot effectively defend himself against, quote-unquote, legal allegations by advocates, prosecutors. Now, what kind of a system is that? Oh, the president's not above the law. Well, the president's not below the law either. The president's not below the law either. At least a citizen has the right. I mean, they can cut a deal, a plea bargain, but the citizen has a right to their day in court. Interestingly, even if the president of the United States said, I don't care what the Justice Department rules are, go ahead and indict me. The reason he can't say that is because of the enormous damage that would do to the office of the presidency in future years, to future presidents of any party. Which is the reason why you can't indict a sitting president. And so these prosecutors, they figured it out, see? Okay, now we'll use that against Trump. What do you mean? Well, we're going to get these thugs who don't pay their taxes, like Michael Cohen, and then we're going to get him to plead the two counts of campaign violations because he was Trump's personal lawyer and Trump directed him to make payments. Trump says, I didn't direct him. I'm playing, let's take the worst case scenario. The worst case scenario. It's not even a worst case. Okay, but let's play along. He directs Cohen to make the payments. Even Cohen has said multiple times that he didn't, but now he says he did. Out of corporate funds in one case, out of private funds in the other case. Okay, now we got him. So in order to save his own ass, Cohen pleads he's got five counts on tax evasion, one count on false information on a massive loan. And, we, and, now, and now you see, Cohen, you got you to gotta plead on these two also. And Lanny's there, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah, those two, those two. Uh, those are critical. Yeah, yeah, those two. And so just to show you how evil is playing out in the Southern District of New York U.S. Attorney's Office. They can make the allegations. They got a plea. They can say Cohen even pled to it. So he agrees with the interpretation of law. Not that it matters, but they'll make that point. Now we got this guy we give an immunity to to who runs the National Enquirer. And he can back up what Cohen said. President of the United States says, it's not a crime. I didn't do what they said they did, but it's not a crime. 
Well, too bad. That's your problem. Well, now what? I'm, I'm, I'm standing here accused of a crime, and there's nothing I can do about it? See, the prosecutors get, get it both ways, you see? It's like Mueller. Either you submit to my questioning so I can create a crime and damage the office of the presidency, or I'll just say you obstructed justice and committed a crime, that you intended to obstruct justice and you committed a crime. See, so I win as a prosecutor. Either way, and I'll slap that in my report. It'll be treated as if I'm God himself. My report. Send that to the mob in the House of Representatives and the Roman mob, the Roman Colosseum. Well, they'll have a ball with it. And the media are pushing this. The media are pushing this. The I word, the I word, the I word is idiot. Media idiots. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. A television host or a radio host, and you really want to make it big in the liberal media. You want to be pointed out as one of the few on Fox or one of the few on conservative talk radio who really is a serious conservative, who hasn't sold out, who really has a balanced view of the world, who calls them as they see them. You start trashing Trump. You go back to the old points about morality and his, his tweeting and the way he presents himself and what he says and whether he's a liar and on and on and on. Then you get a pat on the head and you're very, very happy. I find most of these people self-serving, narcissistic morons. If Donald Trump wasn't president... Let's say the name of the president is Ernie Grabatsky. And this was happening to Ernie Grabatsky. I would be fighting just as hard. I'd be speaking just as forcibly. Because in the end, it's not even about Donald Trump. It's about your constitution. It's about your republic. It's about your franchise. You really have to be deaf, dumb, and blind not to see what's been going on from day one. The attempt to to oust this president, to set the predicates for ousting this president, to unleash criminal investigators against this president and his family and his staff, the daily drumbeat by the Praetorian Guard progressive media. We're not stupid, you and I. We see it. It's going on every day. We, we even reach a point where we have to turn it off. And so in the midst of this, you have individuals who see this as an opportunity to promote themselves and their own careers and to stroke their egos in the media business. So you can rip Trump, you see, for his morality. Or rip Trump as a liar. Or rip Trump for this, that, or the other thing. But it's not about Trump. It could be anyone. I remember Iran-Contra. They used different reasons to try and take out that president. One of the greatest presidents in American history. 
See, the way I see it, the Constitution's worth fighting for. The rule of law is worth fighting for. The franchise, where people made a decision in the last election, is worth fighting for. And from a political perspective, many, if not most, of the policies the president has been implementing are worth fighting for. All of it can be lost. I'm not interested in a nice story in the New York Times or the Washington Post or a pat on the head by Joe Scarborough or all the rest. They can all go to hell. The New York Times committed a sin from which it can never recover. It's committed many. But during the most horrific period of the Holocaust, horrific, unspeakable genocide, the New York Times covered it up as best as it could. It is admitted so. Now, if that's the mentality of the New York Times during the Holocaust, how in the world can it be the paper of record? And yet it is the paper record for the left. It is the paper record for the media. And we have some quizlings within the conservative movement who seek desperately to be recognized by the New York Times in some kind of a write-up, or the Washington Post, for that matter. That media, the progressive media, will only use these people to the extent that these people attack the targets that the New York Times and the rest of them have also targeted. Otherwise, they're absolutely meaningless to the New York Times or Meet the Press or any of the rest. The only time I've been invited on Meet the Press or some of these other shows, I can't remember. We've invited on a lot of them, haven't we, Rich? Was when I was critical of Republican leadership in the House and in the Senate, critical of their their spending, critical of a number. Then they wanted to hear from me. They don't want to hear from me today. Are you kidding? They're all on Lanny Davis. Or these phony law professors. Or the others. Some, some member of Congress who, who provides them with an interview spouting what they want to hear. The choice of guests and the choice of hosts and the, co- and the choice of, uh, of formats. Those are all decisions that are made in order to promote a particular ideological perspective. MSNBC's ratings went through the roof this week because it was a gathering of the hate Trump mob. They know to gather at MSNBC. CNN is very jealous of this. CNN tried news. It wasn't working. And now they're trying to mimic MSNBC. The problem is there already is an MSNBC. There's no place for CNN. CNN ought to fold its tent and go away. Save us some light bulbs, electricity, fresh water, you know, a carbon footprint here and there. But they won't. But MSNBC's ratings go through the roof. The more radical and outrageous those hosts and their guests become. And so now they push impeachment. Why? They'll get the ratings up, plus they believe in it. Impeachment is not a tool to remove or cripple a president with whom you disagree. There must be serious abuses of power while the president is president. There have been no serious abuses of power. None. He's followed all the court orders. 
He's challenged them, but he's followed them. He's followed all statutory law. He's not only followed the Constitution, he's trying to protect the office of the presidency from those who won't follow the Constitution. He's trying to implement existing immigration laws and secure the border. He's trying to build a border fence, but they won't let him. He has pushed spending to strengthen the United States military in order to protect the people of the United States. He hasn't done anything to violate the law. He hasn't done anything to violate the Constitution. Quite the contrary. He's trying to implement the law and defend the Constitution. And you know what, ladies and gentlemen, at bottom, that's one of the reasons they want to get rid of him. They like the good old days of Barack Milhouse, Benito Obama, and presidential fiats. I'll be right back. The champion of liberty and true conservatism. Call Mark now. 877-381-3811. Here is a, uh, a headline at a website called Mediate, which most of you never heard of. All it does is basically post clips, mostly from cable TV. And then their, uh, their writers, their scribes have a liberal bent that they put to them with liberal headlines. Not all the time, but the vast majority of the time. And here's a perfect example. MSNBC trounces Fox News and ratings on Manafort Cohen Day, knocking Hannity to third. Now, Hannity knocks MSNBC all the time. He's number one almost all the time. This was also on the Drudge Report. Why? I don't know. I guess this is fascinating. But I'm saying it's deeper than that. The reason MSNBC is so hardcore radical left and its hosts are such kooks is for this very reason. Ratings combined with ideology. Now that's not news, is it really? News? Can you separate news on that so-called cable network from surmise? From advocacy? No, you can't. No, you can't. Now, um, Lindsey Graham had something to say today that was actually quite good. And he's right. I'm looking for the cut number, or cut three. I want you to listen to this about Attorney General Sessions, because he's right. Cut three, go. The president's entitled to attorney general he has faith in, somebody that's qualified for, for the job. And I think there will come a time, sooner rather than later, where it will be time to have a, a new face and a fresh voice at the Department of Justice. Clearly, uh, Attorney General Sessions doesn't have the confidence of the president. And uh, all I can say is that I have a lot of respect for the attorney general, but uh, that's, that's an important office in the country. And and um, there, after the election, I think there will be some serious discussions about a new attorney general. And there should be. And there should be. I think the point Trump makes is a very serious and important one. That if Jeff, that if uh, Attorney General Sessions was going to recuse himself, that he had an obligation to to make that known in advance or step down 
or step down. And he won't because he says he's above politics and he's upholding the rule of law. But his deputy's not above politics. The appointment of the special counsel, Robert Mueller, was all about politics. It was all about the deputy attorney general trying to rid himself of an issue. He was under pressure by Schumer and the Democrats and the media. And folks, the media, if you look at this carefully, the media have been pushing all these narratives from day one. Now it's impeachment. But they continue to push these narratives. If a media are going to conduct themselves as a political operation, it seems to me they have an obligation, an ethical obligation to self-identify. MSNBC as the Elizabeth Warren, Bernie Sanders, et al. network. CNN as the Nancy Pelosi, Chuck Schumer, et al. network. Fox can do the same thing, although it will be a little bit more complicated because they have their liberals on Fox, (coughs) including in the news division. You know, uh, this is the last week to sign up for a free offer from our dear friends at Hillsdale College. I've been talking about the monthly digest in Primus, digest of conservative thought from Hillsdale College for several years. Well, their current free offer ends this week. So please visit levinforhillsdale.com, L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com, to start receiving your monthly subscription for free right away. My life's work is to help preserve freedom. It's the same with Hillsdale College. Hillsdale is committed to pursuing truth and defending liberty. They teach their stellar students to defend freedom, and they do that for you, too, through their free monthly digest of conservative thought. 3.8 million Americans receive Imprimus for free every month. And you, my friend and fellow freedom lover, you should be reading it, too. Subscribe for free while you still can Go to levinforhillsdale.com, L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com. No strings attached. Generous donors who want to preserve freedom for future generations have made it possible for Hillsdale to send a primus to you at no cost. Now, please take advantage of it. This is the last week. Start reading in primus and have your family read it, your kids read it, your parents read it, so you can know how to defend the freedom that you love. levinforhillsdale.com, that's L-E-V-I-N, for Hillsdale.com. Now, while we're busy chasing all these issues that the media are pushing, that the Democrats are pushing, that their prosecutors are pushing, we miss news like this from General John Nicholson, the top U.S. general in Afghanistan. Here's what he said yesterday. Very important. Cut 12. Go. We have numerous ways of making our input to, to the chain of command. And when, as you, as you know, Barbara, and the time that I uh, joined uh, this mission as the last commander appointed by President Obama, we were on a glide path to reduce our forces uh, and eventually to close down the mission. And so at that time, the enemy had no incentive to negotiate because we were leaving. So in war, which is a contest of wills, the enemy believed that we had lost our will to win and that all they needed to do was wait us out. And so in the uh, first months of the next administration, of the Trump administration, there was a very uh, robust dialogue about the way forward. And I was engaged many times uh, during that period by the 
by my chain of command, provided my input. Uh, I believe the South Asia strategy is the right approach. And now we see that approach uh, delivering uh, progress on reconciliation that we had not seen previously. And I think that was because we clearly communicated to the enemy they could not wait us out. Now, this is a big deal. We have men and women in uniform on the field of combat in Afghanistan. This is what the commanding general, the top general in Afghanistan said yesterday. It's received no attention whatsoever. None. We're at war in Afghanistan. You wouldn't know it. You wouldn't know it by the media today. This is news? News? General John Nicholson. That's pretty important, don't you think? Now, ladies and gentlemen, also on MSLSD, and by the way, they had great ratings over the last few days. I know because uh, the Drudge has linked to it, and so has Mediaite. Very crucial. Uh, And speaking of them, a PBS NewsHour White House correspondent on MSLSD today, Yamichi Alcindor. Yamichi Alcindor is the PBS NewsHour White House correspondent. And here is what Yamichi Alcindor had to say about gun safety programs and teachers. Hat tip, Washington Free Beacon, a great website. Cut 13, go. And there are some people that I've talked to, some advocates who are very worried about the racial impact that, impacts that this will have. Mm. You look at Erica's reporting, if you start arming teachers and you look at the statistics and say that there are black and brown students who are being, um, who, who are being, who are being disciplined more than their white counterparts, you could then start seeing statistics where potentially black students are getting shot or in accidents when their teachers are trying to shoot or trying to do gun safety measures. So there's this idea that the NAACP and other advocacy groups say, not only are we looking at this as a issue, issue issue but it's also the idea that racially this could be a problem what what the hell racially arming teachers to protect the students racially could be a problem because she said in part students could potentially shoot black students more what kind of mind is this How, how do you how do you wake up in the morning and go to bed at night when your mind is this is this filled with such asinine propaganda? So we shouldn't arm our teachers because the potential exists that they'll kill more black students? Because after all, they punish more black students than white students. Let's put race aside. Maybe the students who are punished deserve to be punished. What do you think about that? As a matter of fact, Inner city schools are more dangerous than other schools. Now, there's a lot of reasons for this. Race really is not one of them, but there's a lot of reasons for this. And so when people like me talk about school choice, school competition, charter schools, uh, tax credit schools, homeschooling and so forth, you're blown off. And you must be a right wing cook. You must be against public education. And so the solutions to what goes on in a lot of these schools are rejected by the left. And now when you talk about we need to protect the students who are compelled to go into these schools, wherever these schools are, you need to protect these kids. And that includes training and arming teachers and under certain programs and ideas and so forth. Here we have 
the PBS News are a White House correspondents. PBS, public broadcasting system, another government creation. Her concern is that teachers potentially will shoot more black students. It's insane out there. Insane. The racist arguments are just, are just nuts. I'll tell you something else. In Fairfax County school system in uh, Virginia, they have a new idea. Now, this is the biggest school system in Virginia. It's the biggest county in Virginia, over a million people. You know how little Johnny and little Susie and their parents would take them to the store? They're all excited to buy, uh, you know, pencils and rulers and stuff, whatever they need for school. School's beginning. You buy the stuff for school. Well, that's not fair. What do you mean it's not fair? Well, there are families who can't afford that stuff. You know, rulers, erasers, pens and pencils and line paper and that sort of stuff. Well, wait a minute. I thought we had all kinds of school programs to take care of that in government. No, no, no. You don't understand. So here's a great idea. Everybody brings in all their stuff. The little kids bring in all their stuff. And it becomes community property in the class. Community property. And then it's divvied up. What? Oh, yeah. Becomes the property of the entire classroom. And then you see the... Nobody suffers. And then it's just sort of divided up. Well, that seems quite ridiculous. You know how much money we pour into public schools? Hundreds of billions of dollars. Where does it all go? Hundreds of billions of dollars. And what do we teach? First day in, redistribution of wealth. With pencils and erasers and line paper and so forth. Because any other system is unfair. The only just system is socialism. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. been listening to the radio show lately you've heard me talking about the free 30-day trial that we're offering on crtv for great shows like levin tv great hosts like eric bowling steve crowder michelle malkin andrew wilkow i could go on and on and on phil robertson can't even remember all the great hosts now we started out with only levin tv but we quickly realized that people wanted more more shows more hosts more ways to watch, and less commercials. Our fans were tired of the lies spat out by the lib media, but they didn't have a good alternative. Our subscribers are like you. They lead busy lives, they want to watch on their time, and they don't have time to waste. Now that's why we created CRTV. It's a network without ads. It's a network without liberals and Marxists and socialists as hosts. Yes, we admit what we are. We're conservative. It's a network, importantly, that's bringing you the stories you won't hear from the lib media. But if you're like me, you believe in the old adage from Ronald Reagan, trust but verify. So we're giving everyone access to CRTV for 30 days, absolutely free. Don't take our word for it. Try it for yourself. Give us a call at 844-LEVIN-TV, and we'll have you set up in less than five minutes. Again, that's 844-LEVIN-TV. 
Ladies and gentlemen, don't forget, there's a great book out there. It's a fiction. It's a thriller. Now's the time to read it. Enjoy it. The Second Coming by my buddy John Highbush. He is, in my view, the best fiction writer, thriller writer alive today. And it's only a second book. The Second Coming by John Highbush. Mr. Producer, will you put that link up to Amazon again on both of my social sites? I want to encourage you to get it, to read it, to give it to a friend, a family member as a gift. Also, you can go to the Reagan Library and get a copy, first edition, signed, before they run out. I've told you how this works. You get first edition, second edition, third edition, as the publishers print them. Try to get the first edition and signed. That's an extraordinary gift by our buddy John Highbush. He is the executive director of the Reagan Library and Foundation, but he is a tremendous thriller writer. And the second coming is the best book of the year when it comes to thriller books. So check it out. You can go to Amazon, go to Mark Levin Show Facebook, Mark Levin Show Twitter. It's called the sec- <coughs> excuse me, the second coming. And you'll enjoy it. I really enjoy it. I don't even read fiction, but I like this book. It's great. New York Post, guess what? After his plea deal, the sleazeball felon, self-confessed, Michael Cohen, was dining at a huge restaurant. I can't even pronounce it. It's uh, such a big deal. It's, it's in French. L-E-L-E-B-I-L-B-O-Q-U-E-T. They were stunned to see the fixer, Michael Cohen, show up for dinner just hours after pleading guilty to eight charges and testifying that Trump had instructed him to commit a felony. A spy at the trendy Upper East Side haunt said, it's definitely a shock when I saw him out there after the big news, adding that Cohen, who had earlier in the afternoon claimed under oath, blah, 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 honestly seemed pretty relaxed, surprisingly. Well, that's how psychopaths are, my friends. They're very relaxed. When they're cheating the taxpayer when they're cheating banks on mortgage loans, and when they were sleazing a president. They're very relaxed. And he was having a hell of a dinner, celebrating after his plea deal. How do you like that? Isn't that weird? Isn't that weird? Yes, it's weird, but he's a weirdo. All right, let us take a call. David, Bend, Oregon, the great KBND, go. Yes, sir. I have a couple of questions. Uh, yes, well, first yes. off, I love your Sunday show, Life, Liberty, Mark Levin. It's Thank the you. most original show on Fox. Thank you. Now, I appreciate question, that. Thank you. My first question was, if they were successful in uh, impeaching the president, would he be able to run in 2020 as a candidate? I don't believe he's barred. But, you know, it'd be tough to do. You have to get the nomination of your party. He could be nominated again, couldn't he? I guess. I guess. Question was, uh, it's my understanding that anyone can run for um, Speaker of the House. That's correct. You think I should run? What happened to the fella? All right. We salute all you heroes out there. I don't know what happened to the gentleman. I'm sorry. We'll see you tomorrow. God bless.